0: All right, well, to uh, uh, end my part in Stewardship Month, it ends uh, this month, it's over, and um, we want to look at the miracle here in John chapter number 6, beginning at verse number 1, and I just want to dissect this uh, miracle, uh, verse by verse, just bring out some phrases, some thoughts that I hope will help you. Uh, in, in, in anything in life as we call this message the anatomy of a great miracle the anatomy of a great miracle anatomy of course is the dissecting of uh, something uh, to uh, understand it uh, in, in science that would be the, the human body or an animal or whatever we dissect it uh, so we can understand how it better functions and so we want to d- dissect this great great miracle here in John chapter number 6 of the feeding of the uh, 5,000. And uh, we see here, and and all through the, the Gospels especially, Jesus was a miracle worker, and Jesus is a miracle worker, and Jesus always will be a miracle worker. In uh, Hebrews thirteen eight, it describes him this way, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So whatever you read about him yesterday in the pages of the Bible, he is the same today. And these great miracles are listed for us, uh, not so we can just read the Bible like, uh, oh, wasn't that a cute story? Like it's some book of fiction. This is not fiction. This is history. This is history. And uh, so let us not approach the Bible like we're reading all a bunch of cute uh, bedtime stories. Wasn't that a nice story? All right, let's go to bed. No, this is history. Uh, These are facts. We take these stories literally to be true. And whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. We are never a hopeless people. We are never a helpless people. Because our Savior is a miracle worker. And this is one of the greatest ones. Now, with uh, Christmas coming up, uh, some of you might want to ask, when somebody says, what would you like for Christmas? You might want to ask them for a Thompson Chain reference Bible. If you don't have one, a King James Thompson Chain Reference Bible, I call it a shortcut. Uh, These new ones are amazing. They have about 8,000, and this is my latest. Uh, I wear these out. I love them. I'm addicted to them. I think of them as the Cadillac of the study Bibles. But uh, they have about 8,000 different subjects, people, places, things, all uh, listed in the back. And, And when you get... To the back, they have all the miracles in the Bible, and here they have a list of the 37 specific miracles that Jesus did that are described for us in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The specific ones. Then there's a whole bunch of general ones, so many general ones that he did that we don't have the specifics of that John said, in his writings, that if all the volumes of the books of the world could not contain the things that Jesus did. But he gave us 37 specific miracles, and of those 37, only two are mentioned in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are, number one, of course, the greatest of all miracles, his resurrection from the dead. Uh, Jesus said, destroy this temple... And in three days, I will raise it up again. And that's why he borrowed a tomb, because he didn't plan on keeping it for very long. Uh, a tomb was borrowed, uh, just like everything Jesus had was borrowed. He didn't, he didn't own anything. It says, for, he, though he was rich, for our sakes he became poor, that we, through his poverty, might be made rich. And uh, Jesus gave up all for you, including his life, including his blood. There's no way we can possibly repay him, but why not get started, amen? And uh, see what we can do for our worthy Lord in this short, brief life that uh, we, we have. And uh, so Jesus came to this earth, and he was a, a miracle worker, And uh, his resurrection from the dead was the greatest miracle. Uh, They guarded his tomb for three days. That didn't help. On the third day, he rose from the dead, and he has been alive forevermore. That is so unique, that is so powerful, that it ought to cause every person on earth to at least reflect upon him and say what's different about him than all the other billions and billions that have ever lived. And that is he is God. God put his stamp of approval on his sacrifice for us. God said, uh, I'm satisfied with it. And it says he was raised for our justification. And uh, so, I mean, just, you know, when I die, they're going to bury me. Three days later, I promise you, I'm still going to be there. (laughs) And so are you. And nobody else rose from the dead. That ought to, that ought to, that just that one miracle ought to cause everybody on earth at least to, to come to a screeching halt in their life, shut the television off and say, what is it about this man that makes him unique? Because he rose from the dead. But there's another miracle that is also recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Only one other one. And I'm not saying it's more important, but it is is profound. And that is the feeding of the 5,000 the feeding of the 5,000. It's found in Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 9, and here in John chapter number 6, the feeding of the 5,000. And uh, Jesus feeds them. And, and to understand the Bible on any subject, and any miracle, what you almost have to do in this case is get yourself out four Bibles... And lay them out, open up Matthew 14, open up Mark 6, open up Luke 9 and John 6. Have all four and then compare the four narratives of the historians, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And get a magnifying glass out and look at every line and then compile the whole thing. And it's just so amazing. It is such an amazing miracle And I think it will will end maybe with an exclamation point, my part uh, of involvement in this wonderful uh, stewardship month we have had here at Faith Bible Baptist Church. And it looks like uh, we're on our way to reaching our goal, our best ever uh, of helping uh, spread the gospel around the the world. And we use some of it for local stuff too. Um, And and I want to thank you for your involvement but as we dissect this this miracle, I'm not talking just about money and things today, but as we go through this, I, I want you to maybe take the things we see in this, miracle, in this miracle today and apply them to your life. Because every one of us, there's been times where either we have needed a miracle or your day's coming. Your day's coming uh, when you're going to need the Lord's help. And we believe He is still the God of uh, miracles and we see the feeding of the 5,000 and by the way that night he decided to kind of put an exclamation point on it by walking on water across the Sea of Galilee you know uh, and, and 12 adult men saw that including a devil named Judas Iscariot and even though he had a devil he, he was never able to lie about Jesus and his last words were I have shed innocent blood and he, he knew Jesus was innocent. Uh, but they all recorded, it. and nobody back then said those things weren't true. They just made up those fairy tales and fictional stories. No, nobody said that. Nobody said that in history. Even secular historians called him a man of wonders. And uh, so this is history, folks. It's not just a cute, oh, what a cute story. No, no. It's history. It's history, and we dissect these miracles to see how God worked and how God can work in your life and in mine. Notice verse number 1. Let's get at it here. John chapter number 6, verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, also the Sea of Gennesaret, whatever ethnic group you belong to is what you called it by. All right? Um, There's always ethnic divisions, aren't there? And a great multitude followed him. Well, that's a good first step. Just stay close to Christ. Follow the Lord. If you want to see miracles in your life, follow the Lord. Stay close to the Lord. Wherever he's going, that's where you should go. And you're going to see some things if you'll follow the Lord in uh, your life. Why did they follow him? Because they saw his miracles, which he did on them, that were diseased. And those were great. You know, he'd he'd open the eyes of the blind, he'd open the ears of a deaf person, he'd heal the leper, and, uh, you know, he'd cast demons out of a woman or demons out of a man or demons out of a little boy, demons out of a little girl. He covered the whole gamut. Those were like individual miracles, and they're great, they're great. But this one isn't. This one's different. This one involves over 5,000 people. And praise the Lord for all of those miracles. And that got people to believe uh, to be followers of Christ. And Jesus went up into the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now, one of the narratives, I believe it's Luke, tells us that he's in a town called Bethsaida. Bethsaida is on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, way up north in Galilee. And you know, the south was called Judea, and the central part was called Samaria. And the northern part was called Galilee, and there's the 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 little Sea of Galilee, Sea of Tiberius, Lake Gennesaret, up in the north part, and then Bethsaida's on the north part of that lake. And uh, so he's there, and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. Verse five: When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company unto him, come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence? Shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now notice in verse 5 it says, When Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus not only up to this point has seen specific individuals, but now he sees a great company and he sees a great need. And what he saw, I think that touched his heart, and he saw a great company come unto him. Boy, that's always the smart thing to do. Come to Christ. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Listen, let me give you a secret. Even when you sin, come to Christ. I know you feel dirty because I've been there. And you feel filthy, and you think, "Well, God doesn't want to see me. God doesn't want to hear from me." And something, and somebody's lying to you right there. The wisest thing you'll always do in your life is just keep coming to Christ. Just keep coming to Christ. And if you sin, just come to Christ. Say, "God, I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? Would you please cleanse me? I fell again." And and he he just has this way of of showing his goodness uh, to us and forgiving us in his loving kindness and his mercy. And uh, he, just, just follow us around all the days of our lives. Some people don't even come to church anymore because they've done something. They think, I'm too dirty and filthy to even come to church. No, no, what a huge Always come to Christ. Always come. Come unto me. He says, all ye nations, he said once, and be saved, and be saved. So I want you to notice that he tries and we have the response of two men. One is Philip, and one is Andrew. And he, he, he turns to Philip for some reason, and, and, and the Lord knows as we're going to see what he's going to do. And he says to Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? And uh, so Jesus sees them. It turns out the other narratives say, say they've been around there for a few days. They're really hungry. They're going to faint by the wayside. He says, boy, if we send them home like this, some of them will come a long way. And they're going to faint. So, Philip, where can we buy these some bread? Now, Philip uh, is going to give him an answer in verse 7, but I want you to notice in between, in verse 6, it says this, and this he said to prove him. For he knew, himself knew what he would do. I I, I don't know what you're backed up against in your life, but Jesus knows what to do. He knows what to do. I, I don't care how impossible the situation looks, whether it's three million people with their backs up against the wall on the, 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 the uh, Red Sea and Pharaoh's army coming to destroy them and they are unarmed. God knows what to do. He just says to Moses, go forward. And he splits the, the Red Sea and they go over on dry ground. If it's that, or if it's five thousand hungry people, the Lord knows what to do. And, and whatever your miracle you need is probably a little bit smaller than these. Probably a little. Now I know we got pride and egos, and we think everything we're going through is great. We're all victims, and and uh, no, no, there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common Amen. to man. Amen. All right, uh, none of us are unique. And somebody before us has found that the Lord's grace is sufficient. And it's sufficient for us too, whatever our need might be. Jesus knew. Isn't that great? Our Lord always knows what he's going to do. Verse 6. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every man, one of them should, may take a little. And, and 200 pennies worth of bread, I believe he said that because that was a year's wages. They worked about 200 days a year, and that was about a year's wages. They got a penny a day back then, believe it or not. But uh, Philip basically says, look, if somebody had their whole year's wages and and we found a place where we could find some food for these, he could take his whole year's wages and maybe buy enough to give everybody a little. Everybody a little. And so that's the way Philip's looking at it. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes bought. What are they among so many? What are they among so many? So I want you to notice, Philip focuses on what we need. Andrew focuses on what we have. And none of it's enough. And so Philip doesn't know what to do, Andrew doesn't know what to do, but we've already seen Jesus knows what to do. He not only knows what to do, he knows what he's going to do. But it's kind of good, I think, that he incorporated Philip and Andrew's uh, conversation into John's narrative here. Because it gives an insight into how kind of all, all of us think. You know, we, we, we maybe need a miracle and we say, well, this, this is what I have. You know, or, this is what I need and there's no way I can possibly obtain it. And this is what I have, which is nowhere near enough for what I need. And, uh, but there is a Savior with us and a guide with us who knows exactly what each and every one of us should do if we're looking for a miracle. And he is the one that can do the impossible. Now praise the Lord here for this little verse that is brought out in John's account. All, all four of the narratives say that they had five barley loaves and two small fishes. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all bring that up. Five, five barley loaves, and two um, and uh, uh, two small fishes, small, <laughs> small fishes. Okay, the pastor preached on two mites last week. Uh, that that dear lady with the, just she just had, but God uh, recognized that as 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 quite a quite a sacrifice for her. Two small fishes, and uh, but only John brings out this statement in his. Uh, history there is a lad here there is a lad here and uh well i don't know how this came about i I like to let my imagination go wild or something and you know maybe this little boy was really close to jesus and he just heard him saying well i got some food (laughs) you know and and because he's saying to philip we got we got to feed all these people Philip says, Man, I don't know. None of us have enough money to buy him, even to give him a little. And Andrew says, uh, Boy, there's just no way uh, with, with what we have. But the boy has his lunch or whatever it is, and he, he gives it to Jesus. Isn't that great? Man alive. And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was in much grass in the place, there still is today. So the men sat down in number, about 5,000. I want you to uh, just stop right here, and if you read Mark chapter number 6, the instructions in that uh, record is that the Lord said, sit all the men down in ranks, 50s and 100s. He says, "I I want some order here. I want some order here. And listen, if you want a miracle in your life, get as much as you can in order. If you want to save your marriage, get your part in biblical order. If you want to save your family, get your family in biblical order. Just say, you know, hey kids, we're we're starting over as a family We're going to eat at such and such a time. We're going to eat together as a family. Then we're going to have a little five minutes reading the Bible or something. Then we're going to do our chores. Then we're going to do our homework. We're going to be in bed by such and such a time. And you get your family, you get your marriage in as much order as you can. And then the Lord steps in. God always blesses order. He always blesses order. 1 Corinthians 14, 40 says, Let all things be done decently and in order God is a God of order and when he sees somebody trying their part humanly to get what they can do in biblical order God will step in and do the miracle he'll step in and do the miracle Uh, maybe it's your health you say I need a miracle health-wise okay get your health in order start going to bed at a certain time, start exercising, start eating good food, drinking good drinks, and uh, all those things they taught us from a kid to do, start doing those, do what you can, if, if you believe in vitamins, minerals, whatever, good, whatever. but you do what you can to get your health in order, and God steps in. You know, almost all the miracles of the Bible that Jesus did and the specifics are given us there was some human involvement. There was something where the Lord told them, you do this, go borrow vessels, not a few. And the Lord filled the vessels until there was finally no more vessels to fill. And there's sometimes we got we to do our part. We got to do our part. And then we turn it over to Jesus and, and uh, maybe, maybe a church. Sometimes a church needs a miracle. The church needs to get back into biblical order. And I know Pastor is always (laughs) stressing that in his teaching. God gets in on order. He gets in on order. Look at verse 11. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks. Now there's something else to do give thanks before the miracle. Give, and everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. 1 Thessalonians 5:18. You know what? You should do it. When you, I don't care what it is. the doctor says, you have cancer. First thing you should do is say thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I don't know how this is going to end, but it's going to end really well. I'm either going to be in heaven or I'm going to be healed or he's going to exhibit grace through my life while I suffer to those that are watching me. I think I'll just thank the Lord. Your engine blows up on the way to work? Thank you, Lord. I don't know who I'm going to meet, but maybe somebody at the shop uh, I'm going to be able to talk to you about the Lord. I have no idea how he's going to uh, provide, but Lord, I have tried humanly, to own this car with order, I've tried to maintain this car. We ought to get things in order. And then just start giving thanks. Start just, I mean, I don't, I don't know what people thought, but here's Jesus with five little loaves and two little fishes and 5,000 people looking at him and saying, okay, let's give thanks. And he, he's, you know, he always looked up when he gave, they're probably like, give thanks for what? But he gave thanks. Okay, now people are going to think you're absolutely nuts. You're absolutely nuts. Oh, you lost your job? How are you doing? Well, I'm just thanking the Lord. I don't know what the next chapter looks like, but I know God's going to do something Amen. because He's always a God who does something. Yeah. He's going to do something. Amen. He's going to do something. He gave thanks. We should give thanks. And then it tells us here, And when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. Now what is a miracle? A miracle is when when the Lord just simply overrules the laws of nature that he spoke into existence. He's got no problem with that. We are supernaturalists. We believe in a supernatural God. We believe God wrote the laws of nature, first law of thermodynamics, second law of thermodynamics. God made that up. And whenever God wants to, he can overrule it. We don't have to go through life trying to figure out humanly how this happened because it didn't happen humanly. It was divine. This was a miracle. The first law of thermodynamics says that matter Cannot be created or destroyed. It can only be changed in form. You can't, you can't, creation is over. That's what the first law says. Except when Jesus is around. And he just starts making some bread. I don't know how he did it. But he's got, they, they found baskets and he says, here, take this out. Start, start with that rank over there. Feed them and then come back. And and, and it's it's like, you know, at, at our little dinners there are people running in and out of the kitchen with, ta- with uh, with plates, and they're just going back and forth. He involves us in his miracles, uh, so we can actually see it happen. He has no problem with the laws of nature, and anytime he wants to, and he's God whether we let him be or not. Sometimes you hear people say, well, let God be God. No, it has nothing to do with us letting him be God. He is God. God is God whether we let him or not. I want to let him. And see what he'll do for me. It's reassuring to study these, these, these stories and not just read them like, oh, want a cute story. A little lad with his lunch. Yeah, real cute. Uh, no, this is a miracle that's unexplainable that our God's going to do for a lot of people. It's going to help a lot of people when we get to the conclusion later this afternoon. Just kidding. Any of you get that? All right. Some of you are listening. Amen. I could go on and on here, but I love this. Verse 12, when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. You know, when Jesus does miracles for us, it's almost always a superabundance. And when he gives you a superabundance, then be frugal and be prudent to save that superabundance for down the road when you get hungry again. All right? When he does a miracle for you, don't just go crazy wasting it. Uh, Save it. Uh, Gather up the fragments. That nothing be lost. Therefore, they gather them together. And filled 12 baskets with the fragments and five barley lo- of five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Now again, Matthew 14:21, in his account, says this: He fed 5,000 beside women and children, 5,000 men. And they're all stuffed to the gills. I mean, they can't eat any more bread. They can't eat any more fish. And, and, and he says, go out and get the fragments. And now there's 12 baskets full. I don't know why, but I know there were 12 apostles. And uh, maybe they, they would carry that around for a few days or something. And uh, just keep eating it. I don't know. But, but here's the thing, kind of almost in conclusion here. Verse 14. Don't miss these three words. Don't miss this. Then those men. Don't read that too fast. How many were there? 5,000. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth that prophet, that should come into the world. 5,000 believed. How many believed on Pentecost? 3,000. Acts chapter 2, right? We make a big deal out of that, don't we? And we should. (laughs) That was amazing. We make a big deal out of that. How many believe this day? 5,000. 5,000. This miracle has absolutely no human explanation. None. You can't, you can't, no, uh uh-uh. No, maybe a few of the other ones you can somehow explain. I, I don't even bother wasting my breath trying to think of how it may have happened. This was God. This was God showing us, as it's stated in the word, there is nothing... Too hard for the Lord. And some of you are up against things that are impossible right now in your life. Or you will be. Or God's going to make sure you are. He's going to try every one of us. He, he, he knew uh, what he would do. But verse 6 said, and this said he to prove him. To prove him. Then a couple of weeks later, he did it again with 4,000. I don't know. Just, here's 4,000 more. Let's, let's try that again. Just, just to show us today in 2023, well, you know, the, the purpose of reading the Word is so faith can come. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Not so we can just say, oh, what a cute story. Isn't that great? No, no. So we can say, wow. You know, I think I'll just fall on my knees before Jesus Christ and worship Him because He is worthy. And he's the same today, and, 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 and some of you, I, I love you, but you, you're not exercising your faith in a great God. you just not. I remember when I was in my 20s, I, I made a goal in my life that, that I was hope. I don't know, but I hoped and prayed. I made a, a, a covenant with God. I said, God, I want to show people by my life that my God is still alive. When I was in my 20s, I just made that statement. I I don't know how, God, but please, I pray that in some way my little life will show some people that my God is still alive. And I know some of you live that way and you exhibit that, but some of you, I, I scratch my head. You got the tiniest little problems, the tiniest little needs, and you don't think God can help you. And so you don't even pray about it. I learned how to pray. I learned how to fast. I learned how to have faith. And I think anyone who has observed our ministry over the years and, and some of the things that, that you see and would have to say, boy, God helped them over the years. Amen. God helped them. What other explanation is there for it? What other explanation is there for it? God help them. And you young people, you need to dedicate your life to showing your generation that your God is still alive. He's still able. And he's huge. And there's nothing too hard for him to do. So I want to encourage you. do, Do your part. Get everything you can in order. Give thanks. Put it all in God's hand. That lad, eventually there was a transfer from that lad's hands of five loaves and two fishes into the hands of Jesus Christ. He gave it all. He gave it all. And I want to encourage you give it all to the Lord. Just give the whole thing to Him. Say, God, I, I, I can't do anything with this. Nowhere close. Can I do enough? would you please take it from here and uh, have a a super abundance and then be frugal be prudent with that super abundance and some of us have seen that happen in our lives where God's given us a super abundance in closing this, this boy gave everything he had I don't know if his mom was there Mothers and other children were there, so it says, besides women and children. But this one child stood out from all the other kids that day. This one child. Standout kid. Somehow he said to Andrew or something, I got I got some food here. Because Andrew then went to Jesus and said, There's a lad here. Got five loaves and two fishes, and all four of the authors said five loaves and two fishes. There's a lad here. Don't stop your kids from giving to faith promise missions. Given they give a nickel a week, a dime a week, a quarter a week, fifty cents. Don't stop them. Tell them trust God to give you fifty cents this week. Trust God, and if you don't have the faith, man, don't don't wreck their faith. Let them have their own adventure with God in their life. See what God will do. There was once a little boy who got beat up. I don't remember his name or the other guy's name who beat him up. But Pastor Shutt knows it because he's told it twice. It's a historic history. For some reason, this little boy was so sensitive to God, he saved up all of his money because there was a little store in town that had a Bible for sale. Saved up all his money. And finally he had enough money to go buy the Bible. And so he goes in and he buys the Bible. He's got his own Bible, a copy of the Word of God. Never had it before. Comes out of the store and a bully meets him and says, what do you got there, kid? Give it to me. And he didn't want to give it to him. He says, oh, no, no, this is, this is my, it's in a bag. He says, give it to me. And he started to beat the little boy up, literally beat him up. And finally, the boy said, Here, take it. You can have it. He gave it all, gave him the Bible. Decades and decades later, he got saved and, and he grew in the Lord, went to church. Decades and decades later, he was at this church, this huge church, hundreds, maybe thousands of people, and the preacher was up there preaching. He says, I'm sorry to say this, but when I was a young man, I beat up a little boy outside of a store. And I stole his Bible. I don't know who that boy was, but I started to read that Bible. And I got saved. And God forgave him and led him to be a pastor of a church with thousands of people in it. Thousands of people in it. And that little boy, was a man, was there that day. I'm the kid you gave up. You beat up. And the preacher cried. and just said, thank you for giving me what was yours. I fed a lot of people with it. I fed thousands of people with it. I've never been able to say I'm sorry for the way I treated you. But what you gave me was... All that you owned, I've fed thousands of people with that Bible. You know, you're little boys and girls. And you, I don't care who you are, we can find a dollar or two or five or something. We can quit going to Tim Hortons for missions or whatever and just fill out a card and just say, God, he can take two mites last week, he can take two fishes five loaves if we'll just present it to him and make sure your human reasoning doesn't stop the miracle no we don't have enough can't do it this is all we've got we're nowhere close no no don't let your human reasoning limit the holy one in his greatness. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these not stories but history. Real, literal history of real things you did with real people who had limitations in their mental capacity. They had human reasoning, they they knew that this was absolutely an impossibility to feed 5,000 people, plus women and children, but you knew what you would do, and so I pray everybody here in a good way would be emboldened to go to the throne of grace, to find mercy and grace to help in time of need with whatever it is that they're facing in life right now, or will face. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn in our hymn books to page 496. I surrender all. I mean, that little boy did. The widow did. And uh, that's my last plea this stewardship month. You know, after this, we almost don't even mention money the rest of the year. Around here we never have, but uh, just kind of leave it in your hands to do what you want with it or nothing. But I hope you're going to join us in this great campaign uh, to try to reach people in our area as well as around the world and who knows, plant more churches, whatever, send out more people. And so let the Spirit of God speak to you and and, and if you want to turn a card in today or put it on the pulpit, put it on the usher's stand, put it in the offering basket, Bring it in tonight, Wednesday, whatever. But man, let your kids, talk to your kids. and You might start an adventure in faith in them that wow, you have no idea what God will do in those little boys and girls, in those teenagers, in those young adults. Oh, I'm so glad I had a wife that wanted to give tithes and offerings before we ever got married we just settled that just settled that what a blessing let's stand together if you want to come and pray and there's a lot to pray about maybe come and pray for Israel come and pray for our country our new speaker about your own situation won't you come